If you're a Pilates instructor looking to learn and grow using science-based tools, the Pilates Instructor VIP membership is for you. This is a continuing education resource that includes monthly workshops, weekly research reviews, programming support, full-on classes, and so much more. Okay, you can get your seven-day free trial right now with the link in the show notes. But without further ado, let's get on to this episode. Welcome to another episode of the Evidence-Based Pilates Podcast. We're going to have an incredible time today because we are talking about a concept that you can immediately apply to your teaching, your thinking, and how you educate your clients. In other words, today we're all just seeking to make a difference. So we're going to be discussing like if low impact exercises are healthier from joints, and we're going to take a scientific point of view um, for this topic, and then we'll be able to generate informed decisions by the end. I'm not here to agree or disagree. I'm just here to share um, you know, sh share some science and, and, and uh, try to make a positive impact in the community. What we're going to do is we'll discuss the definition of like impact, or like I, I, we'll just kind of define the topic, right? It's always nice to do that. Um, then we'll discuss like common narratives around low impact um, exercise, and we're going to just like unpack that a little bit. Um, then a little bit of anatomy in terms of like synovial joints, which are the joints that we're generally talking about within the narrative of low impact exercise. Um, from there, we'll do a little bit of like a literature dump in terms of like what does science say about this. And then from there, we're going to step out and we're going to see like, like, okay, now what? So what? <laughs> okay, what do we do in our practice? Like, how is this going to help out our clients? So that's what this is all about. Now, let's go ahead and begin by uh, just defining what we're talking about with impact, right? Impact is like when you are making contact, right? You are, you are making contact, you are, you are applying force onto a solid object, let's say the ground. You stomp on it, okay? That's impact, okay? The harder you stomp on it, you get what's called a ground reaction force. A ground reaction force is just Newton's third law of action-reaction. Meaning if I push down on the bar, okay, or on the floor, sorry, on the floor with 10 pounds, I'm going to get 10 pounds back. Now, that 10 pounds is going to be what's called a compressive load. Compressive load, meaning we're kind of like squishing the two ends of like a joint together. Okay, we're compressing it, pushing the top and the bottom part together, bringing them closer. That's what it is in terms of impact. Now, when you're on your back, right, pushing your feet against a foot bar, you have less impact because your body weight's not on your feet. You're pushing against the bar. So you're working with the forces uh, that your, your muscles are creating, that's tension, and then the force against the bar via the springs. So without getting too googly-eyed, you do have less impact when you're doing um, like stuff on your back, right, like in Pilates, uh, than you would like standing up and things like that. So by no means am I arguing that Pilates is not low impact. It generally is, right? But the convert, we, we tend to try and leverage that and suggest that that's better than, than something else, right? And, and, then that's, and that's why we're doing this episode. We'll unpack that, right? So a common narrative of like low impact exercise, right? We, we tend, it, it, like let's say the marketing for that, the, the narrative that we try to like lure people into the studio with 
is that it's better for our joints, right? It's better for our joints. So we reduce the compression, right? And we're having a low impact. It feels better. Now that suggests that humans, uh, like, like, like that, that suggests like a wear and tear narrative, right? Like you're going to wear down your joints. Okay. It suggests that humans are like machines that we just wear down over time. It suggests an idea that we're fragile, right? Whereas rather than like wear and tear, what if it was wear and repair? Rather than humans are fragile, what if it was that humans are adaptive, resilient, and anti-fragile? Rather than humans are like machines, right? And we wear down over time. What if we were more like an ecosystem? And we just need a certain ingredients and then we adapt over time and just things shift around. Okay. So the idea that lower impact is better suggests that lower load is better for humans. And it's just not, it's generally not the case. Okay. The medicine and the poison is always in the dose. Okay. The impact from a ground reaction force, you need that. If you don't do that, you will become brittle, right? That's why bed rest kills people, okay? That's part of it, right? If you're on bed rest for a long time, there, I mean, there's a host of things like, you know, DVTs, blood clots, all kinds of stuff, okay? But part of the, the thing with bed rest is also becoming more um, prone to like, like fractures, right? You get less bone density. And you know what helps with bone density? Impact. Yep. High impact is actually what they prescribe for osteoporotic uh, patients or clients. Okay. So if someone with like osteoporosis should do like high impact, right? High impact, meaning like, like we built them up over time, you know, we got them to high impact and all the things like how is, so then how are we saying that um, low impact is better for joints? So with that compression is often demonized right? It's like, ooh, let's reduce your compression, right? Decompression is always seen as good, right? If we say, oh, it's so decompressive, right? Good. Ooh, that, ooh that's so, like, like, you're compressing. That's bad. Like, it tends to have a negative connotation, right? But compression is a force for good, right? Decompression is a force for good, right? We're an ecosystem, Okay, we just need, there's a balance. If you don't like the word ecosystem, that's fine. You're a chemical reaction. Then. Your body is just a chemical reaction. It's an ecosystem, okay? We just need certain ingredients in the pot. And one of those ingredients is compression. But if you have too much compression, that's a problem, right? That's, just, that's a problem. Like falling off a building, you die from compression, like the impact of the floor, right? I know it's dramatic, sorry. Um, but like that's too, too much compression. Right. If you're just like sitting and you don't move ever, right? It's too much compression, probably in your lumbar spine. It's gonna hurt. Okay. Um, you know, that sitting is the most one of the most compressive uh, positions for the lumbar spine, by the way. Um, but that doesn't mean it's bad, right? It's good. Because lack of compression is also bad. Okay. Like only decompressing your spine is not necessarily good. 
but some of it, sure. Like sign me up for full hang on the trap table. I'm actually looking at my Cadillac right now. I haven't done that in so long. I'm doing it after this episode. I'm going to decompress, but then I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to compress my joints a lot. So compression is a force for good. Flexion is a shape that, that that's a good shape, right? Cervical or cervical extension. It's good. Okay. It's all about the dose. Okay. Your body is an ecosystem. The medicine and the poison is always in the dose, but, but the narrative around low impact is commonly that, that the lower the dose equals the better. And this is one of those things of I've totally said it, right? I've absolutely said it. And so I'm not like shitting on any of that. I'm just questioning it. And, and I think that's really powerful to do is to question narratives, right? If you, if you can't question a narrative, look into that, right? Look into that. Okay. Why can't that be questioned? Okay. Cause if something is like, is rooted in truth is rooted in fact is rooted in science. You can question it, right? Cause you'll be able to get an answer. So one way to question this is like, if we're, if this is new, right? This is, this is a new idea that low impact exercise may not be as good as um, it's marketed. Think about the origin of this belief. Like when did you first start to hear this narrative, right? Like I heard it in Pilates school, right? But I went to Pilates school when I was 20. I graduated in 21. So that's, I just first heard it there uh, before it wasn't really a thing in my life. So when you first heard this narrative, right? What was the explanation for it? Did it, was it just told by an authority that sounded convincing, right? Like they use like hand gestures and, uh, you know, they pronounce words a particular way. And, you know, they looked at you at the particular facial expression, uh, or they're, they're just in a position of power, right? Like, is that where that belief started? Or it might not have been, right? It could have been like a commercial from HealthNet on, <laughs> you know, on NBC or something. But uh, in addition to that, when that's presented, was there any support presented? When I say support, I mean like a um, like a scientific research paper, right? Was there like an ACSM guideline that was presented? Was there a systematic review that was presented? Was there even just an experiment? And a lot of times the answer is no, right? It's just, it was just convincing. It sounded good, right? And I don't blame you. That's, that's how I was. I was like, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> Low impact. It feels better, right? But just because something feels better doesn't mean that it is better, okay? And I'm not saying low impact is bad, right? I also want to catch that. What I am advocating for is questioning the superiority of low impact not that it's not good that's not the, that's not i'm not saying that i'm just i'm suggesting that it may not be better as in it's possible that it's equal and it should just be up to the client preference okay uh, rather than a false narrative of superiority now with this when the, like the idea with like the low impact is that we reduce compressive forces on, on, uh, on, on weight bearing joints. Those are joints generally that have a lot of weight on them. 
when we think of weight bearing joints, it's usually like waist and below, but you could also make an argument that like the spinal column is weight bearing. So you end up having more weight on like, you know, joints as they get lower down. Okay. So like your knee, right. It has to hold on to like your pelvis has to hold on to your spine, everything above it. So when we think of weight bearing joints, it's generally it's like lower extremity, lumbar spine. Okay. But you could like, if you want to crack that egg open, yes, we can get super nuanced. Now the, the most prominent joint in our body are called synovial joints. Synovial joints, like you, we could think of like the knee joint, right? Otherwise known as your tibiofemoral joint. It's a synovial joint between your femur and your tibia. Now the tibiofemoral joint, I'm just going to call the knee joint. Okay. But tibiofemoral, I'm talking about the space between the tibia, your shin bone, and your femur, which is your thigh bone. Now, the knee joint is a synovial joint. Now, within a synovial joint, you have like, you have two bones, right? Um, one on one end and the other on the other. And they're generally lined with cartilage. Okay. So let's just say like an otherwise healthy joint, right? We have like a normal amount of cartilage. Now, within that joint, you have what's called a joint capsule. Now, so this is a synovial joint. So you have what's called a joint capsule, which is um, like a, a connective tissue that encapsulates the, the joint, right? So you have stuff that stays inside the joint. Now, within the joint, you have a lubricant, right? That's called synovial fluid. Now, there's other, there's other things, right? Like proteoglycans and things like that, because, you know, physiology can make us get googly-eyed really quick. Now, synovial fluid, like is, it acts like a lubricant for your joints. So when your, when your knee, right, and your tibia go under compressive loads, that we don't have a lot of friction. It just kind of, it just like slips and slides. Okay, like when you bend, like, like, like if you're standing, uh, you're compressing your joints when you're standing, right? And then you squat, right? You're squatting, you're flexing under compression. The more like the heavier something you're holding, the more compression, okay? So when we're doing that, yeah, the, the synovial fluid okay, helps lubricate that. So then we don't have a lot of friction while bending or moving the joint. It could be extending as well. Now, when we compress the joints, you know what happens? You know what happens when you compress the joints? We get more synovial fluid. Okay? We go ahead and we compress the joints. The cartilage hits together. The synovial fluid comes out. And we end up lubricating the joint and you lubricate the joint at the point of contact. Okay. So we want to go ahead and not only compress the joints, we want to compress them under a full range of motion. Okay. Now we won't get any deeper into anatomy because that's weird on the podcast, right? It's nice to have like visuals and stuff like that. Anatomy course will come to one day, but with that, we want to go ahead and actually compress joints and we want to compress them under a full range of motion. Okay. Now, sometimes there's this idea of like, well, it hurts, right? That's not the same thing as a healthy or unhealthy joint, okay? That's pain, right? Pain is an unpleasant sensory and emotional experience that is associated with or resembling that associated with actual or potential tissue damage. So it actually tells you nothing about uh, joint health, okay? So if a client, for example, let's say a client responds better to low impact, but they don't respond as well to higher impact stuff. That doesn't mean higher impacts worse for their joints. Okay. They're one, like, you know, possibly deconditioned, like more likely to be. 
um, you know, and, and this is what's called a symptom modifier, right? So maybe it, it, it modifies their symptom to lower the impact right now, but you could probably, okay, like progressively load them, uh, gradually expose them to higher loads, higher impact, okay? Just because someone's having a pain symptom doesn't mean that compression's bad, okay? It means that that body part's sensitive at this day and time to this particular uh, combination of forces, okay? It does do nothing about joint health. Because we, we, they've done, um, I'll throw this in the show notes. I'm doing this one on the top of my head because I actually didn't have this one prepared. But they, they do, uh, they've done MRIs on people with, um, without any knee pain. Okay, I think they're like in their 40s or so, like, like mid-adults, okay? So middle-aged adults, and uh, they have no knee pain, and they scan them to see if they have osteoarthritis, okay? The scan pretty much, like the scans, okay, they did not come back normal, okay? People with no knee pain, they would get, they would show up positive for osteoarthritis, okay? I want to say it was like around like 40%, okay? I'll throw it in the show notes if you want to really check it out, Okay. But the, the pain, okay, pain in someone's knee doesn't really tell you about the health of the joint, okay? Like osteoarthritis would be like you are having less cartilage, right? So that would be seen as less healthy. More cartilage equals better, right? Just in terms of general joint health. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. My only ask of you as a listener is to leave a five-star review. Leaving a review helps this podcast grow and have a greater influence on the Pilates industry. I do this 100% for free. I do not and will never accept advertisements on this podcast. It is 100% for free. And you can go ahead and make a huge difference and allow this to grow by leaving a five-star review. Now, when we talk about like research around this topic, okay, research around joint health, okay, joint health and um, impact loading. Here's a direct quote from the American College of Sports Medicine. Okay, they're 2021 guidelines, otherwise known as ACSM. Here's the quote. This is from their arthritis chapter in terms of special considerations. This is arthritis, right? These are the people that you would think would want, that would need the least amount of impact. Here's the quote. The goal of aerobic exercise training is to improve cardiorespiratory fitness without exacerbating joint pain or damage. There is no clear evidence that supports avoiding or discouraging high-impact activities such as running, stair climbing, and those with stop-and-go actions in individuals with arthritis unless they present with obvious biomechanical or joint stability issues. However, because individuals with arthritis have lower levels of cardiorespiratory fitness, muscle strength, and neuromuscular protective reflexes, they should approach high-impact exercise cautiously in order to minimize risk of incurring injury or aggravating joint symptoms. In other words, there's nothing wrong with high-impact exercise, even for people with arthritis. However, they're more likely to be deconditioned, so proceed with caution. Meaning it's not like, oh, like, like someone comes into your studio, right? They come into your studio and you see arthritis and you're like, oh yeah, that's my high impact client. No, right? Uh, 
just no. <laughs> like I think you want to like check in with them, see how their fitness is, see how they respond to things. However, the what this is saying is because you see arthritis, that is not a reason to say you should not do high impact. And that's commonly the narrative, right? Always work with the human. Okay. This is a human who has uh who has uh has arthritis, right? It could be clinical or medical, depending on how they were diagnosed. Like, have you had an MRI or did, did you just show clinical signs? Um, so that's a different thing. But point is that having even individuals with arthritis, okay, it is not supported to have them avoid high impact exercise. If low impact exercises were superior to high impact exercises, it would be appropriate for especially individuals with arthritis to do low impact exercise, not high impact exercise. And with that, there's, a, there's actually a systematic review called the impact of exercise on articular cartilage in people at risk of or with established knee osteoarthritis, a systematic review of randomized controlled trials. So they want to see like, what's the impact of exercise on cartilage okay? and people that either like have arthritis or that have a risk. And this is their conclusion. Knee joint loading exercises seem to not be harmful for articular cartilage in people um, at uh, in people at increased risk of or with knee osteoarthritis. I'll read that again. Knee joint loading, loading, like impact loading. Okay? Knee joint loading exercise seems to not be harmful for articular cartilage in people at increased risk of or with knee osteoarthritis. So the idea that low impact exercise is better for your joints just doesn't seem to be supported. Now it could be preferred, right? Like Joanne just likes it. <laughs> That's then do it, do it. I am not anti low impact. Sign me up for feet and straps. I'm doing feet and straps, but I'll do it before my full hang. I'm gonna do feet and straps after this episode, then I'm gonna do my full hang. So with that, like I am totally cool with low impact exercise. What I'm questioning is the narrative around its superiority, right? Because we end up generating false movement beliefs in the general public who don't know better and trust us, right? And, and, and I'm not saying it's not a bad thing that if we've ever given someone poor education, I've given awful education before, but it is worth like having a look at this and then being able to make informed decisions going forward, right? And that in itself is like cognitive agility, right? Like, oops, I, I used to say this and I learned something new, right? Now I can make an informed decision because there's enough, there's, um, there's also um, just signs and there's a paper in the, um, this is from the Osteoarthritis Research Society. The name's a kicker. Okay, it's called Mechanical Loading Inhibits Cartilage Inflammatory Signaling via an HDAC6 and IFT dependent uh, mechanism regulating primary uh, cilia elongation. What they did was they put isolated chondrocytes, which are cartilage cells, and um, and cartilage, um, and cartilage um, explants into mechanical loading, so cyclical mechanical loading. So, so what they did was they like loaded cartilage, and they wanted to see what would what would happen. And what they found was that mechanical loading actually suppresses inflammatory uh, signaling. Okay, so so in other words, it's more evidence that. Uh, that exercise, in this case, loading exercise is anti-inflammatory. And when you're talking about a joint condition that would be um, like 
how would you say like more of like like a thought of wear and tear, right? Like like you are having reduced cartilage, right? That's osteoarthritis. Um, osteoarthritis is three words put together. Osteo meaning bone. Um, so that's osteo. And then arthritis, arth would be, that would come from arthro, which means joint. And then itis is inflammation. So with uh, osteoarthritis, it would be good to reduce inflammation because there's too much inflammation in the joint. And it just so happens that loading it, oh yeah, loading the joint. Oh yeah, yeah, there, we should do that. Yeah, that's anti-inflammatory, right? Um, oh, fun fact, okay, just, uh, there's, a whole there's, there's a whole osteoarthritis um, episode, but you know, you know what the three exercises, okay, or three that are on the top of my head, I, I want to say maybe farmer's carries were in there too, but, um, but three exercises that are recommended for osteoarthritis, they're all higher in fact. Um, so it's uh, squats, lunges, and step-ups. Yep, none of them are low load or anything like that. Squats, lunges, step-ups. In other words, freaking load it. Okay? Now, not everyone's first session, are they gonna be all right doing that? But point is, is that if an individual with osteoarthritis is encouraged to load it and do like weight-bearing exercise, which has more impact than non-weight-bearing exercise, then individuals that don't have osteoarthritis would be more than safe doing so. And also, just so we're almost done with the literature dump. Now, the, there's another paper called the Association of Recreational and Competitive Running with Hip and Knee Osteoarthritis, a systematic review and meta-analysis. And what they did here was they wanted to look at individuals who, or they looked at individuals who were, who were not runners, right, otherwise sedentary, they looked at individuals that were recreational runners. Okay, so they're, they're, like, they're just like your people that, like, like me, like we go to the gym and we run, but we don't do marathons, right? And then there were competitive runners, like your marathon runners. And they wanted to see, like, did, like was there an association with arthritis, right? As in, uh, does running wear down your knees? Okay, running is a high impact exercise. It's cyclical loading right? You're, you are constantly running, constantly having high impact um, on weight bearing joints. Oh, you know what they found? Yeah, the people who are recreational running, uh, they, they had the least amount of osteoarthritis. So high impact was actually more protective in this case than, uh, than being sedentary. Okay? Being sedentary had a higher risk okay, of osteoarthritis. And um, however, if you were a competitive runner, you also had a higher risk. So the risk of osteoarthritis for people that were recreational running was 3.5%. Individuals that were competitive runners was 10.2%. And individuals that were sedentary, 13.3%. So you know, what's the, you know what's the highest risk of osteoarthritis? Yeah, sitting on your ass. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. But like, oh, well, not kidding, right? That was sedentary. So it was actually like people who didn't run had a higher risk than, than people who ran. And um, sedentary is less impact than running. Okay. All right. Two more papers to go in this literature dump. And then we'll talk about how we can actually use this information. So there's another paper, another paper called the physical activity is related with cartilage quality in women with knee osteoarthritis. Okay. This was an 87 postmenopausal. Um, women. Okay, and here's their conclusion. 
these results suggest that higher long-term physical activity is related to regional increases in estimated uh, glycoaminoglycan content of tibiofemoral cartilage in postmenopausal women with mild knee osteoarthritis um, as measured with a GERMIC index during a 12-month period. Um, so glycoaminoglycans, right? Uh, right? You just think of that as good stuff, good stuff in the knee, okay? So so postmenopausal women who had a long-term history of, phys of physical activity and had mild knee osteoarthritis had better knee joint health compared to people that weren't, okay? Although it didn't differentiate from uh, low impact to high impact, okay? Think about common ways of exercising, going to step class, going to aerobics class, running, walking, you know, like higher impact stuff is just a lot more accessible uh, to humans. And, and it would be, it would be pretty just to suggest that most of those individuals participated in some form of high impact exercise. Now, there is another study, which is actually kind of interesting. It's called the uh, effect of high intensity strength training on knee pain and knee joint compressive forces among adults with knee osteoarthritis, the START randomized clinical trial. Now, what they did here was they wanted to compare or what they, they compared high intensity um, exercise and low intensity exercise to a control, right? And so they were trying to see if high impact exercise gave better results than low impact exercise, right? They wanted to see the, re they wanted to see like, did it actually, was it actually, the, was our narrative actually the opposite of the truth? And it turned out that there is no difference, right? There is no difference in like pain um, or, or function, okay? There was absolutely no difference, okay? Now in their, in their conclusion, because their, their, their research question asked if high intensity was better, Right? Their conclusion states that high intensity is not better, which is fine. Right? And, and so it's also not like all that surprising. But another way that you could say the same thing is that there's no difference between high intensity and low intensity exercise on pain and function in individuals with osteoarthritis. Okay? I keep using arthritis as the example because that is like, the thing like that's the scare tactic that's used right low impact exercise is better for your joints well, what's bad for your joints well you're going to wear down your cartilage what is that called osteoarthritis what can that lead to pain right loss of function total knee replacement right and so it's just it's a scare tactic and it's it's it, and then we're utilizing this idea of like low impact exercise to uh, to um, avoid that right but it's not true okay it's not true in terms of it's not supported by current research. Now, that's that. What's important here is it's not that we haven't studied it, so we don't know. Therefore, we should go off the best logic, right? Which is sometimes all we can do. This has been studied, and we just keep seeing there's no difference. Like, there's no reason to tell people to stop doing this, and that's where this is important. Like, how can we actually use this in our practice? Get people moving in any way that they feel comfortable doing so. Get people moving in any way that that is meaningful to them. 
Okay. If it's meaningful for them to go hiking and stuff like that, and they got a diagnosis of osteoarthritis, or they heard it's bad for their knees, or they, they used to like running, but they think it's bad for their knees, stuff like that. That's where it's really helpful for us to uh, to have this information that it's actually not bad for their knees, right? Is it possible that when they just started running again and they went for 10 kilometers that now their knees hurt? Absolutely, <laughs> right? That might be too much too soon, right? There's other explanations for their pain, okay? Then running is bad for the knees. Now, if with this, okay, if at the heart of all of this, okay, if we're telling people to stop moving in a certain way, we better have a damn good reason to say so. And that should be rooted in piles of science. Okay. The best thing we can do for our clients is to provide them as many movement options as possible and allow them to have freedom in their movement, which improves the quality of their life. And if we get them to meet activity guidelines and get them moving more, we can also increase the years that they live. Okay. And selling low impact exercise as superior to high impact exercise is an injustice to the client. It is a falsehood. It is not supported by scientific research and it can actually lead to them exercising less, right? They're less likely to buy that pair of running shoes to go running. They're less likely to, 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 uh, they're more likely to have reduced activities that they choose to do if this is something that they believe in. They're more likely to have fear of certain movements, okay? In this fear, that fear would just be a fallacy. It's not based on anything. Now, if someone's having pain, right? I'm not saying that just get, have them go through it. Okay. There are certain movements that I don't want to do, right? So like, I, I don't do them, right? So if there's a, if there's a movement that your client doesn't want to do, cause it freaking hurts, then it's like, well, is it important to them to do it? Right. If it's not, then who gives a shit? Like then just move on. Right. But you could, but like that's managing the symptom, right? So one, that's just avoiding an exercise cause it hurts them totally cool, right? You could say the same thing for low impact exercises, right? It just bothers them. So don't do it. Um, and it's not really like the cost benefits, not worth it. Now, what's also helpful is like, maybe they're having pain during an activity and that activity is meaningful for them. Like, I don't know, someone who lives in a two-story house and stairs are painful and it's actually, and it's more painful on the way down than the way up, right? And so then we start to sell low impact exercise as a solution to that. And that's where it's gray, right? So maybe when they first come in, right, we can, we can mention how a lot of the Pilates exercises are low load and low impact. So we can help get them stronger. And over time, we'll build up their tolerance to those higher impact activities and allow them to live better and happier, more fulfilled lives. That's, see, like, that's a freaking awesome narrative, right? So use them both, right? Use the low impact and, and the high impact. But it's important to recognize that low impact is just, it's just not superior to high impact. It's just different. And sometimes we can use it as a symptom modifier, right? But if we keep people in low impact, you're not going to prepare them for high impact activities. That's just like the law of specificity.
right? Law specificity, meaning that you're going to be good at what you you practice, right? If you want to practice going upstairs, you better start practicing going upstairs, right? In some way, shape or form. And sometimes that starts the footwork and then feet and straps. But eventually you got to have them step on a box. Eventually they need to hold something while stepping onto the box, things like that. And at the end of the day, if you take anything from this episode, okay, Remember that one of the best things you can ever give to your client is to provide them more movement options. Okay, how many movement options can you provide to them? And last but not least, that the medicine and the poison is always in the dose. Compression is a force for good. The medicine and the poison is always in the dose. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and that it was thought provoking. It made a difference in your life. And until next time, have an incredible rest of your day.